I'm Logan Elrod. I'm Jacob Weiss. And we mitered in film. So today, today, we have a very special, special episode. But before we get into the meat and potatoes, mm. uh, this is the last episode in person in our little stupid studio that we record out of. Uh, Jacob's moving four hours away because uh-huh. I'm smelly, but you can still smell me four hours away. That joke was the second time I said that. Um, still not still not funny. Yeah, so we have a disclaimer. Jacob, take it away. Uh, yeah, so like he said, I'm moving away. We are keeping the podcast going. We're not going anywhere. However, even though uh, Ferris Bueller took a day off, we're going to be taking a few weeks off. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just while I move and kind of get settled in uh, my new home, we're just going to take a break for a few weeks to focus on other things. And then we will be back. We have multiple episodes planned. We got some guests coming, maybe a collaboration or two. So, yeah. Big things. Big things. Yeah, I'm going on vacay, baby. All right. <laughs> so... Let's talk about what our movie review is today. Or it's a show review, actually. Our first series review, we are doing Loki. Yes. So Loki, uh, of course, came out this year. It just wrapped up a couple weeks ago. It was directed by Kate Herron. We got six episodes in season one. Um, I guess... Spoiler. Should this be a spoiler review or no spoilers? Uh, I mean, I can do spoiler free. We we do either way. You okay. want to. I don't care. Let's go spoiler free, I guess, for those who haven't seen it yet. Um, although there will be spoilers for probably all the yeah all the Marvel movies up to Avengers Endgame, let's say. Uh, we can spoil, and then after that, no spoilers. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, well, because there's just the plot in general is a spoiler for Endgame. So, uh, the plot of Loki is after he steals the Tesseract during the events of Enger- Avengers Endgame. Um, he kind of goes to an alternate version of Loki, brought to the Mysterious Time Variance Authority, a bureaucratic organization that exists outside of time and space and monitors the timeline. And they gave him a choice, which is to either be erased from existence um, due to being a time variant or to help fix the timeline and stop a greater threat. Wow. I think you could also hear me burp. I have a, <laughs> ate, a I ate a turkey sandwich from 7-Eleven. Yeah. It had like spicy mayo. It absolutely <laughs> slapped. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So for this review, I'll go first. I'm putting mm-hmm. on my tool glasses on. <laughs> because. Wow. No, I'm not. I'm taking them off. Um, <laughs> so I'm known as the Marvel hater. People say, Logan, why do you have to hate on things that people like? or have fun with and i'm like because you're a bunch of smelly nerds even though i smelled but anyway (laughs) just kidding but no i actually really enjoyed loki uh it's not too like super superhero-y for me um i think that's probably why i liked it like Mm -hmm. that winter soldier one couldn't get into it that's like superhero 101 stuff to me Mm -hmm. but this loki was different i really enjoyed uh the aesthetic especially of the first episode i know you said you Kind of didn't like the first episode. The first episode is probably my least favorite out of the bunch. I think that is because I was never a big fan of the character Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, he grew on everyone like loves Loki, and I always just found him to be super obnoxious. Yeah, and towards like the last couple movies he was in, I started liking him a little bit better. But I mean, we were going back to old Loki with this because he was coming straight out of, you know, the 2012, the first Avengers movie. And so I didn't really like that too much. But then luckily they kind of just 
advanced his character right back up to how we last saw him yeah. within that first episode. It was a necessary episode for me to enjoy his character. Yeah, I thought he was a very boring like character in Marvel 2, mm-hmm. but now I have a Loki tattoo on my ass. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just uh, But yeah, I, I enjoyed the aesthetic of like the TVA. Maybe, I don't know. What would you even call it? Like yeah. 60s, yeah, I guess. It, it sort of reminded me of Fallout almost. Yeah, I do love the Fallout games. That yeah. might make sense. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that. And I thought the TVA as a whole, I saw some people were like not too excited of it. But mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed like that there was an agency. Um, yeah, me too. And throughout, I was like interested in most every episode. I will have to say... I think that I'm not going to spoil the ending, but I do think it was underwhelming for me because mm-hmm. uh, it was just monologues. But that's just me. Yeah, um, for me, I was kind of hoping for that because all the other shows suffer. Have you seen uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier or Wandavision? Uh, I only watched Winter Soldier like the first like twenty minutes of it. Okay, okay, but no, um, <laughs> Marvel <laughs> hater. <laughs> this has actually really surprised me, and it's probably my favorite show out of the three. I think um, I can see where you're coming from, but I kind of enjoyed that the finale was more talky and everything because I was disappointed with the other two shows' finales, mostly because they just turned into like a basic like Marvel, whatever, like bland action Mm. scene kind of thing. And uh, I like that this one took more of a dramatic turn instead of being all action heavy. And they kind of got most of the action out of the way in like the episode prior. So I really did enjoy that a lot because it allowed you to focus more on the characters and focus on all of like the big reveals of like what's really going on in the show. And um, I can see why it it would maybe be a little underwhelming because it didn't really resolve it much is, but that's because yeah it, it is a show like oh there's gonna be season two yeah. and i was like okay okay yeah that's what i kind of have to remember it is a show so they're setting up you know season two mm-hmm. uh so to milk it and get all that money uh-huh <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh i also really enjoy owen wilson a lot in this show oh yeah he was as, a treat mobius it's <laughs> a real treat um just kind of owen wilson being owen wilson but he's a lot of fun yeah um, he was owen wilson wasn't yeah. he? <laughs> uh i'm gonna spoil one thing i love the alligator loki i saw he was on posters so uh, i don't think that's a spoiler no, uh, I mean, everything's pretty much out there. Yeah. I'm not going to go into too many plot details, but everybody knows there's like different... Was it an alligator or a crocodile? I think it's an alligator. Uh, I love the alligator yeah. Loki. There's different Loki variants yeah. that like you'll meet in the show, and that's kind of a big part of it. But um, yeah, a lot of them were great. What was um, your favorite one, I guess? Uh, Classic Loki. Classic Loki. Yeah, well, he was like the main favorite. character of those variants or whatever. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Richard E. Grant. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's great. But... um. Yeah, I don't know any any other. No, I'm actually excited stuff. for season two. It's the only Marvel show that I like. Uh, mm. I do need to check out the Vision one because um, I I heard that's not a superhero either. Yeah, not really up until the last episode, honestly. Yeah. So yeah. I might need to try that out. Uh, you that like one that good. one? I like I do like that one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that was our review of Loki. <laughs> uh, yeah, we both like it. Yeah. <laughs> so go watch it, maybe or don't. <laughs> I don't really care. So yeah, enjoy your ad break. Hello. Hello. Uh, so yeah, we're back. <laughs> Sorry, I had to click off something. Um, so yeah, this is episode 34, and we are doing Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That released in 1986. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a little quick description. This one is really quick. A high school wise guy is determined to have a day off from school, despite what the principal thinks of that. Um, 
Yeah, cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's about it, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of this one is 80%. Mm-hmm. It is directed by John Hughes. It is written by John Hughes. It is starring Matthew Broderick, Alan Ruck, Mia Sarah, Jennifer Grey, Jeffrey Jones, Sidney Pickett, and Lyman Ward. The budget was $5.8 million. The box office take was 70 mil, so they earned a lot of money. Yeah. And it the awards, like... It was nominated for one uh, Golden Globe uh, Best Performance by an actor, Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew Broderick. Yeah, this isn't really like Like an an Oscar Oscar movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so give me your thoughts and reactions, and we are in spoiler zone, but I don't really think you can spoil this movie. Yeah, like what's there to spoil? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I first watched this movie... Oh, man, probably like a year or two ago. It was, it was pretty recently, and I had never seen it before. It was kind of one of those ones that I heard about all the time but never actually watched, and everyone hated me for it. So I finally <laughs> watched it, and I was expecting to not like it, but I actually did like it a lot. Um, I just think it's such a fun movie, and I will say Ferris is – well, I'm sure we'll probably talk oh, about it. Oh, we will. He's a total jerk. Okay? We will talk about it. I don't it. like Ferris. He's very entertaining to watch. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, he's a total dick. It's he's a, a terrible sociopath. friend. <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, you know, but I like a lot of the shenanigans going on. I think Principal Rooney is hilarious. Um, I enjoy the fourth wall breaking that Ferris does. I also Love like that. that it's just – it's super simple presentation. Like it's not like about like flashy edits and camera tricks and shots and all that kind of stuff. It's really just about telling this like silly story with these fun characters and it doesn't try to be anything else. And I respect it for that. Yep. Because it knows what it is. Yeah, you're exactly right. So yeah, I I agree with every single thing you said. I was going to say the exact same thing. I picked this movie and I, I told you, uh, last night at dinner because i hadn't watched it yet Uh and i was like i don't really like this movie and then i watched it and i was like (laughs) hey i love this movie uh i chose it because it's not you know it's a short movie and also we are taking weeks off so i was like hey yeah day off you know there you go (laughs) although also before you continue i saw that ortiz gave it like a half star she doesn't look. Ago. What's she doesn't about? hate, or she hates the movie, but she's never watched the movie. Oh, she what? she we were packing because we, <laughs> we're going on vacation, and uh-huh. uh, she came in and she was like, "Uh," I was like, "You've never seen it." She's like, "Bits and pieces," and just walked out. <laughs> <laughs> and she now listens to the podcast, so she will hear this. I'm also gonna say something that's gonna make her mad later, but we'll wait. Awesome. That's all the way down. Letterbox reviews. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's an easy watch, and, like, it goes by so quick, and it's just, it's not like every other high school movie at all. Like, it actually has style, and it's, you know, it's doing something, yeah. as in, I don't know, trying to be angsty or whatever. Mm-hmm. It also is kind of angsty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's not trying to, like, I don't know, it's dissect just, the teenage mind. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Um. So let's just talk about the director, John Hughes, real quick. Uh, John Hughes is kind of a big deal. Uh, I mean, like in the 80s, he kind of overtook the 80s as his own. He's done movies like 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, and Pretty in Pink. Ever heard of them? You probably have. You've probably <laughs> uh, seen them. Uh, I've only seen The Breakfast Club. That's his only other one that I've seen. I think I've seen, uh, I mean, I've seen the three that I just listed, but he also has like, I think he wrote, uh, National Lampoon's alone. Vacation, stuff like that. Okay. Like, yeah, he's written a bunch of. He's written like adult comedies too, which are pretty good. 
But yeah, most of Hugh's work is set in Chicago, and he's best known for his coming-of-age teen comedy films, which often combine magic realism with honest depictions of suburban teenage life. Many of his most enduring characters from these years were written for Molly Ringwald, who was Hugh's muse. Uh, if you've like, this is probably one of the f- only ones that doesn't have her in it, and we'll actually uh-huh. talk about that later briefly. Um, but yeah, so what do you think of? Have, have you seen how many John Hughes movies have you seen? Um, I think the only one, other one I've seen other than uh, this one is Breakfast Club. I haven't seen Sixteen Candles or yeah any of these other ones. Um, I mean I've seen so like, you don't have Home like, Alone movies which he's written. Yeah, um, forgot about that. That might be the only other ones too. So not a lot, but he's just one of those names you hear about. Yeah, so, so much. Positive view of them, negative view of them. I, I mean, of what of I've seen film. just the, of him, like I'm, I'm fine with John Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I know he has this huge like footprint that he left and everything, but I just like yeah. I never really got into watching all these like 80s movies and that's a decade i do want to explore more and i know he definitely had a huge impact on it but um yeah so i mean i like ferris bueller's day off i think the breakfast club is fine i don't love it like, yeah that's why people I didn't pick seem it. to do but i do i mean i like it um okay so author Susanna gora i don't know if i said your name right i'm sorry in her book <laughs> you couldn't ignore me if you tried the brat pack john hughes and their impact on a generation so so she wrote that Hughes pitched the idea for Ferris Bueller's Day Off to Paramount Pictures in 1985 with a single line, Guy takes a day off from school. <laughs> really basic. Here's $5 million. Um, and Jacob brought some up to me last night that he writes his scripts really fast. And this one, because the Writer Guild of America was about to go on strike, Hughes immediately got to work. Um, the director of Hughes' film, Some Kind of Wonderful, recalled the filmmaker completing the 50... 50- uh, 50 pages of the script in one night and completing it in the following evening. So he took like two nights to finish this script. Oh my God. That's, that's crazy. And it's probably the initial, initial script. Like he yeah. probably did drafts of it. Mm-hmm. But that is still absolutely insane. Yeah, even then. I mean, granted, this is a movie where I could see this as, I mean, as far as, you know, writing feature length screenplays goes i mean it's a very simple but it's plot. still that's still like crazy oh, to me yeah of course because i mean just the amount of like typing and writing you still have to do let alone like coming up with the plot and yeah everything. like i just don't understand how someone can write a script that does this well in two nights yeah <laughs> it's weird that is crazy all right so let's talk about the characters uh that he wrote for this movie of course we already touched on it but let's talk uh the main character fierce bueller Mm. he uh he's absolutely insane (laughs) (laughs) he's like Uh i don't know he's definitely got like well we're not you know true crime podcast so we're not gonna like try to diagnose someone on this <laughs> even though he is a fictional character uh-huh. uh he's a sociopath <laughs> i don't know he's got like main character syndrome uh-huh. he is a main character though yeah so yeah. good for him, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he's really bad to his friend cameron fry i know i felt bad for cameron <laughs> we'll talk about cameron too <laughs> but yeah he's just i don't know like ferris bueller i don't what do you think of him it's just uh-huh. he's crazy Oh, for sure is crazy. Um, I think I mean I really enjoyed Matthew Broderick's performance oh, as yeah. Ferris in this. Like it's so much fun. He's really charismatic. You can tell he's really enjoying the role. Like, I think anyone that went to like high school 
probably knows the kid like that <laughs> to an extent. You know, he's like that preppy, popular guy. Everyone like loves him, carefree, does whatever he wants. At least I've known people like that. Um, I think they capture that very well and kind of take it to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's super enjoyable to watch. But yeah, he's a terrible friend. He keeps like making his who he calls his best friend do things that he doesn't want to do no matter how times he how many times he says no he's like yeah no we're gonna do it anyway and that just kind of made me mad but i try not to get too mad about it because it's i mean it's ferris bueller's day off it's not like a serious movie Mm -hmm. but yeah he really is kind of treating his friend like garbage the whole time and then it's like cameron (laughs) is just like okay with it he doesn't change you know if you it's not like he's like i'm sorry for my seeing this movie not only like He's not treating his friend bad. He's making his friend snap and go yeah. into a different realm. Like he's, Cameron Fry is not okay. That's why I'm trying to say like Ferris uh-huh. Bueller was horrible. He's not just like, oh, like, you know, like he he makes Cameron Fry snap. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a point he where he just him. breaks down. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's just talk about Cameron Fry real quick. Cameron Fry. Yeah. So He's pessimistic, he's uh, gloomy, but also he is just has a horrible home life. His father's not good to him. Mm-hmm. He lacks self-esteem, despising himself for not having stood up to his dad yet. I mean, mm-hmm. he does eventually, I guess. Well, well he they, says he, he will. He says he will, but we don't actually know. I uh, hope he does. You know? Yeah, I hope Hopefully he does it too. wasn't all for nothing. <laughs> so yeah, Cameron Fry, he stares, what's that painting called? I don't know. I don't even know the name of it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he just stares in the painting and he sees that little kid with his mom and he's Uh like, I wish I had (laughs) that. And they do a super close up of where you can't even see what it is anymore. It's just a mess of pixels. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, he snaps and uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't really change. He says he's going to stand up to his dad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hope he does. I yeah. mean, I was mostly saying Ferris doesn't change. I guess Cameron is probably the only one that kind of has mm-hmm. sort of an arc. And I guess like the sister, was her name? Jeannie or something. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of felt bad for Cameron. He's probably the most relatable character in the movie if you had to pick one. Yeah. Have you ever like um, looked at the Letterboxd reviews? No, I haven't. It's everybody saying, I'm Cameron. I'm Cameron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blame him though. God, that yeah, that kid's got some... Trauma. He, he needs a new friend. That's yeah. What he, he needs, needs a new. F- well, see that in their relationship. Uh, I mean, it's kind of the last hurrah for them. They probably will, you know, like most friends in high school, you kind of mm. just separate from, and that's probably how their relationship will go. Yeah. Uh, you. Brought- I don't think Ferris Bueller has a bright future. I, I don't think, know, man. He I kind think of his glory days were in high school. He's gonna be that guy that never leaves or he goes to college and then he lasts about a semester before he moves back home well i mean he i don't know he could like trick people maybe like an agent or something like that yeah i don't know maybe he could do something (laughs) um you brought up jenny bueller real quick so jenny like she just i she's got to be like miss perfect Mm -hmm. she doesn't her parents are tough on her while they're not really tough on ferris bueller but uh so she just has to do the right thing and she kind of hates that Ferris gets all like he can do what he wants while she has to be this A plus student and tries to I guess catch Ferris Bueller but she also changes mm. by kissing Charlie Sheen <laughs> who is absolutely looks whacked out of his mind and I, I, I this was a fun fact but I'm going to say it right now since mm. we brought it up 
I don't know if this is true because I don't know why you would need to method act for this role. Because uh, <laughs> he's in the role for like he's in this role for like three minutes. <laughs> so it says like Charlie Sheen stayed awake for more than forty eight hours before the scene was shot. Um, I don't think he did that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just knowing Charlie Sheen's history. Uh-huh. I don't know if that Probably was on not. purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, they said he did a little method acting so he could look really strung up. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think that was what was happening. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, to each their own, I guess. Oh, my goodness. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the what? the villain of this mm-hmm. movie. Or what were you going to say? Well, just say, so what? Did, did Genius change her mind because she met Charlie Sheen? And he was like, you're too... You're too uptight, and she was like, "Oh God, you know, you're probably right. I'm gonna go help my brother now." <laughs> like, what? I don't. I mean, that's what happened. Like yeah. Charlie Sheen. I mean, he is dreamy back See, then. But I don't know what happened in between her trying. She was trying to bust him when she was like chasing him down with her car after she ran into him with it, and then she was trying to beat him home to bust him, and then all of a sudden, like five minutes later, she like winks at him. Is like, "I'm gonna help you out," but like. They didn't interact in that time, so like, why did she just change? Her I mind? guess she felt like, what, why he gets in trouble so much? Maybe I don't know, because her mom was screaming at her, at her. That and, is true. And she was probably like, "Wow, this feels good. Like, I understand what Ferris is doing." Um, mm. That's my take on it. I guess right. it's or not a really just, good or take. She more so, just wanted to get back at the principal because he's a total creep. That's what we're going to talk about right now. Yep. Like This character is the worst <laughs> character I've ever seen. Like, you can't Absolutely even feel bad for him though. either. Uh-huh. Like, Mr. Rooney, uh, he's breaks into <laughs> someone's house so he can get them to stay another year. Like, why wouldn't you want him to graduate so you don't have to deal with them anymore? That's some weird, I don't know, maybe... Mr. Rooney had some problems himself. <laughs> he definitely does. <laughs> he does. Yeah. And he's very mean to the uh, uh the secretary. Yeah. What's her name? I forgot. I don't remember. Yeah, but, but Mr. Ro- like, what's your favorite Mr. Rooney scene? Oh man. Um He has a he has a few good ones. Okay. Probably just whenever he's on the phone, like thinking that he's talking to to Ferris, which he's actually talking to Cameron, yeah, who's pretending to be Sloane's father, and basically just that whole phone call mix-up where mm-hmm. he just starts like, like harassing him on the cell phone about his dead yes, grandmother, dead grandma, <laughs> like, what the and heck? then like that facial expression when she's like says like Ferris is on the other line is great. Yeah, I that like was that. I like that scene a lot. Yeah, Mister Rooney gets kicked in the face by uh, Jeannie, you know, like. The dog gets after him. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, why break into someone's house, you freak? Uh, <laughs> you're so weird. Uh-huh. That girl on that school bus is hilarious, by the way. <laughs> it what at the end? Yeah, it's like, uh, like during the credits or whatever. Uh-huh. It was like, what did she say? It was so funny. The gummy bear, it's warm in my pocket or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <so> <laughs> that killed me. Um, which is so stupid. <laughs> All right. So yeah, those are the characters. All most of the characters like have a lot of tro- uh, troubles. Mm-hmm. All of them are super rich, by the way. Like, oh, probably for sure. Yeah. yeah, like everybody. It was definitely like mm-hmm. I guess John Hughes' experience growing up was growing up super rich. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he didn't really talk about Sloane, but she didn't really 
do much. Yeah, that's movie. why I didn't she bring was her up. Just there. Yeah, that's why uh, they, he didn't give Molly Ringwald the role because mm. he was like, the role's not big enough. Like, you don't need to be here. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So we got some. Where is it? Uh, oh, there it is. Lines that shine. It's a new segment that we're gonna uh-huh. do. Uh, hopefully, we can do it over the internet when we <laughs> move. But we'll figure it out. Lines that shine. I'm gonna play some lines that I really thought stood out because for this case they were funny. Mm-hmm. I try to find more because there's a lot of good lines in here. Oh yeah. Uh, but it was hard to find them on YouTube. So we got this line right here by the secretary. I don't know where. I don't remember her name. But here we go. Some motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. 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 <laughs> that's, dude. that's my favorite part of that line is that he's a righteous dude. He's a righteous dude. <laughs> that's yeah. a good one. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll go uh, dweebs, dickheads. We'll go, on. <laughs> we'll go on to the next one for you guys. Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> All right. I love that teacher. What's the last name he kept calling? He just... What, Bueller, Bueller. Bueller. And then he did another one. Have you ever had I a thought, teacher like that? Uh, I don't know, man. Like just a teacher, like, because everybody's mouth is just open, just yeah. not there. Like uh-huh. they look like zombies. My freshman year of college, the freaking history teacher, he looked like Will Ferrell. Uh-huh. He was not like Will Ferrell. <laughs> He was so fucking boring. <laughs> no, but uh, I thought that was absolutely hilarious yeah. how many A last names they came up with before they got to Bueller. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> let's go to the next track. This is also in the classroom right before that. My best friend, sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid is going with the girl who saw Ferris pass out at 31 Flavors last night. I guess it's pretty serious. And this is like us explaining like uh-huh. <laughs> stuff on our podcast. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what we sound like. It's like that kid in that interview. He's like, and then the, and with the, and then, and I, oh yeah. And, and then, and, and with, and uh, I could keep doing that for like five minutes. And then it I'll, just I'll goes into you. a trap beat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought that was hilarious though. That really is how we describe yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, sometimes. me especially. Yeah, like, he, he directed that movie with uh, so exactly. who was in this, uh, which was the the music by that guy who did that over there with uh, that producer. Yeah, we need, we need someone like, I don't know, someone to look up stuff when we have questions because we do it all the time. We're like, uh-huh. what is this? And then we just stare at each other and we don't look it up on our laptop uh-huh. when I have it right in front of me. Um, yeah, like I just asked you what yeah. the last... We need like the Andy Richter to our code and <laughs> Just like kind of sit off he on retired. the and like chime in every 15 minutes. Yeah, we, we need someone to help search stuff up for us because... Mm-hmm. We are two golden retrievers. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And that was just a reminder for you. Because mm. we, <laughs> we just... Stop and smell the roses. Stop and smell the roses. Uh, we did this episode, like this movie, like I just slacked off. I was like, I'm going to just live life. <laughs> <laughs> go to the beach yeah exactly it was like i don't give a fuck about this episode <laughs> I'm just wow i 
I give a fuck listening. Yeah, go okay. watch the go listen to the Apocalypse Now one where there's a lot of research, but you're gonna uh, be sitting there like, Do I care? I also thought it was funny how they randomly dropped the F bomb in this movie too. Wait, when? I think the principal said it. Something I don't remember when. I think it was when he was like storming around the house or something. Oh, okay. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Subtitles, right. you know. So yeah, that was uh, Lines That Shine. Hopefully that worked out. Hopefully we don't get a copyright, <laughs> you know, strike on us. Uh, I don't even think we're big enough for someone to care. I know. Oh, yeah, don't report us, you know. <laughs> Maybe I just, now someone's just going to do it for fun. <laughs> um, all right, so fan theories. This is also a new segment we're going to do. I don't know how often we'll do fan theories, mm-hmm. but I thought these I were kind of crazy. These are good. So... A fan theory. We have two for this movie. Okay, spoiler for Fight Club. I know that sounds very <laughs> weird. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever read the book or watched the movie. And if you haven't and you want to, I'm going into spoilers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the Fight Club theory about Ferris Bueller's Day Off states that Ferris Bueller is just a figment of Cameron's imagination. Like Tyler Durden to the narrator of Fight Club. Uh-huh. And Sloan is a girl Cameron secretly loves but has never interacted with before. All right. So this is all What's Cameron's your reaction of that theory? There's evidence that I'll go into after. Oh, okay. Let's say it's a little wild, but it doesn't add up to me. Okay, so you know? I read this while I was watching the movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think it's, yeah, just because I read it. I was like, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. But he also wrote this script in like two nights so i don't Uh think he was thinking like that (laughs) i doubt it yeah so the evidence uh i don't the evidence isn't very strong on Mm. this one all right there are safe ferris messages all over the city this represents how cameron wishes someone would care about him and also (laughs) helps the idea that the film is merely a fantasy I do get that though, because there are some fan like fantastical elements in here, like Mm -hmm. the fact that I mean, his dad was reading a newspaper talking about the you know how the students trying to save Ferris like the same day that he called out of school, like that's not how newspapers work. Yep, you know, just like stuff like that. They had all this save Ferris stuff up in like two hours. Yeah, (laughs) it's funny though. Like I thought that was funny. Like I like that, but. Yeah. All right. Cameron's father is controlling and he has a very unhappy home life. So creating popular outgoing friends would help to make his existence happier. You're going to make me sad, man. <laughs> the ending fates of Ferris and Sloan resembled that from a storybook. Sloan is happy and Ferris nearly gets back home. This wraps up the story arc of his friends. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't buy it. Maybe, yeah. Maybe Wait, there's like, a few more. Cameron was in all the scenes because, like, he's not even in half of them. Yeah, this is, so, like, I thought this was the weaker of the two, mm-hmm. also. Um, all right. Cameron trashes the car in his fantasy and realizes that he has to stand up to his father. He then blows off his imaginary friends who offer to take the blame to prevent him from facing his fears since he doesn't need these imaginary friends anymore. It is unknown if he actually trashes the car. <laughs> It explains how they are able to see the entire city in a short day. Cameron is imagining it all. I mean, I can maybe be down for for that part, yeah. but I don't know about everything else. Sloan is m- most likely based on a girl he has a crush on. Mm-hmm. Ferris is most likely based on a popular classmate whom he aspires to be like. Mm-hmm. This also allows him to imagine what it would be like to have popular friends. Mm-hmm. They treat you bad? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Also, there is... 
no possible way to add 3,000 miles onto a Ferrari in one afternoon. <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> no, I do know the math doesn't check out, all right? Was it 3,000? That was how much it yeah, was? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he said it was only 147 miles, and then when he looked at the odometer... Was, I didn't catch that. It Jesus was like 3,000. All right, this is our last theory. Ferris Bueller was repeating the same day over and over, participating in a Groundhog Day situation. That means that his day off was actually just one of many identical days off, which Ferris could then fit perfect as he saw fit, you know? Oh, I do like that. It explained kind of how he managed to put this complicated contraption together, you know? That is my evidence. Uh, Not my evidence. This was from a Reddit user named Duncandy. Uh, (laughs) Cool. (laughs) So... But Duncandy said, the biggest piece of evidence is how he is able to plan for almost all possible contingencies to make sure his plan works. The Rube Goldberg-like mechanics uh, that are just good enough to work on his parents, outsmarting the snooty waiter, constantly outsmarting Rooney, covering every single possible flaw in the pan, uh, plan, the answering machine messages, calling Rooney while he's on the phone to Mr. Peterson, the reason every gambit he makes works is that he has had the trial and error opportunity to perfect his day. He's incredibly lucky with every situation, able to catch the baseball at the game, able to sneak onto the float, able to hit the baseball perfectly onto his tape recorder at the end, and has mastered complex skills at a young age, including being able to hack into his school's computer network. That was from Reddit user Duncandy. Mm-hmm. I do like that theory. I feel like there's just one issue with it. All right. Let me hear it. Why does he care if he gets caught at the end of the day, if he's just going to wake up the next morning anyway and not have to face any consequences? I think if you're bored, right? Mm -hmm. If you're really bored. For the challenge of it. For the challenge. Because, you you know, life gets boring. You need a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right. That's fair. That's fair. So I think he was doing that. Mm -hmm. All right. I do like that theory. We hear two theories. The Fight Club Theory. And the groundhog theory, mm-hmm. which one are you taking? Uh, I mean, if I had to pick between the two. You have to gra- pick. I, I have a gun to your head right now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, Logan. <laughs> uh, I'm going with theory number two is groundhog day scenario. I agree. I agree. The uh, Fight Club theory is very sad. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you it sad. Cameron Fry, hor- the saddest movie character in history. <laughs> I don't know about that. Schindler's but. List. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, I might get canceled for that one, boys and girls. All right. <laughs> Letterboxd reviews. Uh, this is by Screening Notes. In a selfish attempt to cope with his separation anxiety, a sociopathic student abuses his relationship with his mentally unstable best friend in order to throw his future away on a single day. Yep. <laughs> that sounds about right. All right. Uh-huh. So I said Ortiz would get mad at me for this. <laughs> Probably not. But this is by Ellie. I've become one of those I was born in the wrong error people, but only because I deserved the chance to get rejected by 80s Jennifer Grey, which is uh Jenny Bueller. Okay. <laughs> I think <laughs> Why does Ortiz hate you for that? I don't know, because I'm one of those people too. <laughs> she had she she had me uh, going. I was like, oh, she's she, in Footloose, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Actually, yeah. no, not Footloose, Dirty Dancing. 
Oh, what am I talking about? We both got yeah. She is yeah. dirty dancing. <laughs> Who's the main character? Nope, movies? I'm not gonna say it. Not gonna ask a question. <laughs> not gonna do it. What Kevin Bacon? No, uh, Footloose. Who's the the girl? Oh, I don't know. Exactly. I, I wasn't gonna ask because <laughs> we don't have somebody. We'll hire you, and <laughs> we will not pay you a damn cent. <laughs> Because <laughs> we ain't getting paid. Either. That's not true. Oh, that's true. You're <laughs> yeah. right. We have probably what a few few dollars. I think so. Yeah, it's not. Up. It's not much. <laughs> um, I, we're about to run more ads. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fun fact hour. It's our oldest uh, segment ever. During the parade, several of the people seen dancing originally had nothing to do with the film, like the construction worker and the window washer. Mm-hmm. They were simply dancing to the music being played, and John Hughes found it so humorous that he told the camera operators to record it, and you could definitely tell that's what happened. Yeah, I did. As soon as I saw that shot, I was like, that was definitely just a spontaneous thing. Yep. Sidney Pickett and Lyman Ward, who played Ferris' parents, married in real life after filming this movie. Huh. They had two kids as well, but they got divorced in 1992. Aw. <laughs> Dang. I don't know their, why I one of their felt that so funny. Into Cameron yeah, right. Um, rest in peace. I don't know. Why I, said <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I think. Never mind. I'm not even gonna say that. To to produce the desired drugged out effect. For, oh, I already said that one. Yeah, Charlie Sheen stayed awake. Probably was just on a bender. Most of the dialogue was replaced in post production. Loud noise such as nope. That's that's what. <laughs> Oh my God, you are you are totally checked out. You're ready for vacation. That was uh, Apocalypse Now because I copy and paste the format, uh, and so sometimes stuff gets mixed in. I was like, "There's no helicopters in this movie." One second. The idea of a sequel gone around for years with Ferris in college or on the job somewhere, somewhere, but the idea was dropped. Matthew Broderick felt that the film didn't need a sequel, that his film was about a specific time and place that we'd all like to revisit and didn't need updating. I'm so glad they did that because it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, I agree. No sequel. Not necessary. Yep. Grace's secretary, that's her name, Grace. Uh Grace's secretary pretending to be Ed Rooney during the phone call from Cameron was improvised. The shot of Ferris playing the clarinet was done on the spot. Someone spotted the instrument as part of the set, and Matthew Broderick said he could play it, which, of course, he couldn't, as you saw. Um, Mia Sarah, who played uh, Sloan, beat out Molly Ringwald because John said uh, it wasn't big enough. I think I already said that. Matthew Broderick <laughs> and Jennifer Grey fell in love while playing on screen siblings. Um so he took yeah. my girl. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if they're together. Alan Ruck, who played Cameron Fry, was 29. Mm-hmm. Most oh, of wow. these actors were older. I think uh, Matthew Broderick. He wasn't. He was 22. I mean, yeah. that's not that bad. <laughs> uh, Cameron Fry, the character, was also based on John Hughes' high school friend, which I was the last fun fact because it is not fun because that's <laughs> he's a really sad character. He's a sad character. Okay, we have to wrap this up quickly. Yes, we have. We had some things waiting. come up. Yeah, we have people waiting. It's okay. It's our last time at the studio, actually. So, uh, it's been so fun to be in person with you, Jacob. I it had has. a blast. What movie are we doing next? Actually, uh, do you know? I'm not sure. Yet. Okay, <laughs> we'll come back in three weeks. Follow us on social, uh, Instagram at We Minored in Film, Twitter and Letterbox at Minored in Film, and we will update you on Instagram and Twitter when we are coming back. Uh, yeah, so follow us, check us out on social media. Thank you, Calista Schultz. Thank you, Annabella. Sorry, I said I wanted to hook up with this. <laughs> She's probably 60 now. Uh, and yeah, it's been fun. And we will try to do it over Zoom the best we can. Yes. My name is Logan Elrod. I'm Jacob Boyce. And we minor to film. <laughs>